Welcome to Telford Elim Sunday Podcast. We are so glad you could join us. To keep up to date with all that's going on, please go to telfordelim.com. I do hope you enjoy today's talk. ...of mental health, a day to, uh, just for all of the implications that brings to people as well. Just a day to, uh, to raise awareness for that. And, and, you know, one quarter of us are likely to suffer with some sort of mental health problem or issue in our lifetime. And that's quite a staggering stat, that one quarter of us. And, and yes, we, we believe in our healer and we believe in, that Jesus heals. We believe that, that there is an answer to that. And we, but also, that we, we know that sometimes we have to walk that through with Jesus as well. And uh, I was struck by that this week because linked with that this week in the news, there's been a really big news story. And that is this. We witnessed the incredible achievement of a Kenyan athlete. His name is Elliot Kipchoge. I think I've said that right. Sorry to any Kenyans in the room. Uh, but he is 34 years old, which is two years older than me. And I can barely run to the end of my street. Okay? I'm not even lying. I don't think I can make it. He already has the world record, right? So this is a guy who already holds the world record for the marathon. And yet, he ran the fastest marathon that's ever happened in under two hours. Two hours for a marathon. Incredible. Incredible feat of the mind. But what is incredible about this story, what struck me about this story was not that he did it under two hours. It was the, the backstory of where he came from. He said, the commentator said something like this when he crossed the line. This dream, which has been in Elliot's brain since he was a boy, running two miles to school and two miles back every day, has finally been realized. He has done it. You see, two years earlier, Elliot missed out on this very record by 40 seconds. If that was me, I'd think, you know what, I tried. I've already got the world record. I've tried it under two hours. I missed it by 40 seconds. I'm close, but you know what, I, th I think I'll call it a day there. My running days are over. Not this guy. He used to run two miles to school and two miles home from school every day. Young people. <laughs> he has picked up very quickly there, right? <laughs> be thankful for that car that you get to school every morning. Or if you walk every morning, be thankful that it's not two hours. And be thankful you're not being forced to run it either. <laughs> so... But this guy had a dream to break the marathon record and do it under two hours. And he achieved it this week. It's an incredible moment. And yes, officially by the records, it doesn't go down as a record, but we all know it is a record because he did it with some help from some friends, which we all know we, know, we need some friends sometimes, don't we, to help us run that race. Um, that's what this is all about this morning. We need friends to help us run the race with Jesus. We need some pacemakers, right? I don't know about you guys, but I need some pacemakers in my life. I need some guys who are going after God even more than I am. So welcome to the big family brunch, Connect Sunday. I want to talk to you about just a little faith. Just a little faith. You see, the mind is an incredible place. Top neuroscientists say this. When we use positive words like love or peace, we can improve our cognitive reasoning in areas of our frontal lobe. That's the front of our brain. It also kickstarts the motivational centers of the brain. But when we use negative words like hate or stupid, we prevent the neurochemicals from being produced. They're the things that stop us being stressed. 
we prevent them from being produced. And it also increases our activity. This is really interesting. It increases our activity of fear in our brain. Our negative words create fear in our brains. These are some top neuroscientists who know what they're talking about. You see, words can literally change your reality. Words can change your reality. The Bible says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your... A few of you know that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. And I think Jesus gave us a sense of how we can do that practically. Because Jesus wasn't just giving us some examples. He actually has some practical things for us. Scripture has some practical things that we can do within it. And so I want to explore that a little bit. Say this after me. Just a little faith. I'm not sure there was enough meaning behind that, guys. (laughs) Can we say it again with a little bit of meaning? Just a little faith. There we go. I feel like you may have just a little faith by the time we're finished today. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 17, verse 1 to 6, and then I'm going to read from Matthew verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 20. So bear with me on this. It says this, Jesus said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through who they come. It would be better for him to, if a millstone were hung around his neck and were cast into the sea that he should cause one of those little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Matthew chapter 17 verse 20 is when Jesus heals the boy with a demon and it says this in, that, in, in verse 20. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have a faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Let me read that again. More... Um, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. You see, sometimes I have so much faith, I think I may burst. And other times I have so little faith, I wonder what is going on in my life. Let's be real. You see, if there's just one thing I've learned about Jesus, it's this. The currency of heaven is faith. The currency of heaven is faith. The thing is, faith is the measurement with Jesus. But the greatest thing about faith is that when we put it in Jesus, now don't worry, I'm not going to hit anyone with this. Some of you are old enough to remember being hit by one of these. (laughs) The measurement of faith when you put it in Jesus, that faith, we all measure up. So when our faith is in Jesus, every single one of us measures up. I just want you to think about that for a second. You 
measure up. Not the person next to you, not the person beside you, not the person across the table, but you. You measure up when your faith is in Jesus. Oh, just incredible. And let me tell you something that should blow our minds every day. You see, we all have 100% access to Jesus. We all have 100% access to Jesus. That's not just reserved for Pastor Leslie. It's not just reserved for me. It's not just reserved for the best Christians. We all have 100% access to Jesus and the power that he had from his heavenly father. From the youngest to the oldest in this room. Baby Jonah, 100% access to Jesus. Think about that for a second. I wonder whether he understands more of the kingdom of God than I do sometimes. Even at that young, young age. You see, have you ever been invited to a party, right? You got an invite through the door, through the post or whatever. Dare I say you've been invited to a wedding and you didn't really want to go. Has anyone been there before? I'm going to be brave and put my hand up. Maybe you don't really know the person very well. Maybe it's a next door neighbor. Maybe, maybe you just think, I do not know anybody there. I do not have a plus one and I'm not going to that wedding on my own. I'm not going to that birthday party on my own. Maybe you just fancy the night in watching Netflix. You younger guys. You see, we are all invited to the heavenly party. But not only are we all invited to the heavenly party, we're actually invited to have that party here on earth. Heaven on earth. Are you still with me, church? But let me ask you this question. Are we all choosing to turn up to the party? And when we do turn up for the party, where's our heart? Because Jesus is looking straight at our hearts. Bill Johnson says some, this quote, It's not smart to use something as powerful as an invitation into the throne room of God for any other purpose than relationship. It's not smart to use something as powerful as an invitation into the throne room of God for any other purpose than relationship. Jesus is inviting us into the throne room. God is inviting us into the throne room for the purpose of relationship with him. You see, faith to Jesus was an opportunity for us to use our minds and then to speak. Jesus never said to the disciples... You know, these are his brothers, these are his homies. Jesus never said to these guys, I'll do it and you watch. Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, if you have a little faith, if you have just a little faith. I think many of the disciples were thinking to themselves, Jesus, I think you're being a bit over-optimistic here. I think maybe we even think that sometimes. I read verses in the Bible like, you will raise the dead too. And I think, Jesus, I think you're being a bit over-optimistic here about me. Let's be true with each other, right? And I don't think the disciples' response is much different to ours. So what does it mean to be unreasonably optimistic? You see, God loves to partner with us 
when we are, God loves to partner with unreasonably optimistic people. Let me unpack that a little bit. You see, God needs someone who has hope to accomplish his will. It's hard to influence that which we do not hope for. In Ezekiel 37, God says this, to prophesy to these dry bones and they may live. He didn't say, watch me prophesy. He said, you prophesy to the dry bones and watch them live. You see, my hopelessness about a problem is bigger than the problem itself. I'm going to let you chew on that for a minute. My hopelessness about problems in my life is a bigger problem than the problem itself. Because it's all about perspective. You say truth, which is what we stand upon. We stand upon Jesus, who is truth, always leads to hope. But the opposite is true as well. Lies lead to a lack of hope. So are we standing upon the truth? Or are we believing some lies about ourselves? Are we believing some lies about our situations? Or are we believing the truth that Jesus speaks? You see, prophetically, I hope we as a church can be a place that has faith to speak life into all the people around us, into every situation, whether that be in your homes, whether that be in your workplaces, whether that be in your hairdressers or barbershop. You see, it carries with us everywhere. And I prophetically believe that this peop- the, you guys here in this church will be the most unreasonably optimistic people in Telford. That's a brave thing to say on stage, trust me. I've seen some of you guys and talked to you. No, I'm joking. You talked to me as well. But I believe that we can be the most unreasonably optimistic people in Telford when we partner with God. You see, with our natural eyes, everything looks like despair. If you don't believe me, I'm going to say one word, and I'm saying this once during this talk, but think about Brexit for two seconds. If you don't believe me that one word can lead to despair, if our world loves to despair about things, it's, that is a prime example. And quite frankly, I'm a little bit bored of it by now. I think we all are. You see, I believe that we can be a people that set our eyes on things above. We see what's going on in the natural, but then we say to God, God, I know what's going on in the natural. I know my situation. I know what is happening here, but what is happening in the spiritual realm? What is happening up here, God? What are you saying about this situation? What are you saying to me, God? What are you speaking over this situation? You see, I am going to be real vulnerable with you this morning because I didn't come here not to be vulnerable we have connected together this morning we brought both our services together for a reason because we heard the mumbles and the grumbles okay let's be real with one another we've heard the mumbles and the grumbles we've heard like you're not seeing this person this person not seeing this person and, and you've really missed one another which is a great thing right we've missed the family together 
But I also want to challenge you within that. Is that okay? Because this week, I, we, we, we had a, a, lead, a session meeting this week, a leaders meeting, and, and you know what? We have been fighting and tugging and wrestling with this ourselves. If you think leading you guys as a church is easy, trust me, we, we wrestle, we, we, we talk, we, we chew it over together, and we, we're leading to the best of our ability in this church. And so we chewed it over a little bit. And we kind of came back to some of the reasons why we came, made that decision in the first place. Because sometimes it's important to remind ourselves of the history. It's important to know where we come from. It's important to know why we made that decision in the first place and what God was saying. And I've got a whole list of things here, but actually I feel like God's telling me not to read them out. Because the, the biggest reason why we've done this is because we believe with just a little bit of faith, just enough faith, that God is going to expand this church. You see, we believe with just enough faith that God is calling us into something new. With just enough faith that we need to do the two services because we need to provide space. Because we don't have the parking and we, don't, we can't fit everybody in. And we need the space. We need new visitors to come in and feel like there is a place to sit. And when we are all here, that doesn't feel like that. Look around you in the room today. And so I believe with all of my heart that we can fill both those services up. I believe we're providing space for the Holy Spirit to move in Telford. And yet it might take us some time, and yet it might make us feel uncomfortable. And let me tell you guys, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Let me tell you, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Let me tell you, I've agreed with some of your mumbles and grumbles, and I'm sorry for that. Because I was looking at the worldly level of stuff, and I wasn't listening to the spiritual realm of what God was speaking over our church. I say this to, our, to, to you because this is what I say to our youth team every week and hopefully they will testify to this. But every single time we come here on a Thursday night, I say let's do youth like we are doing it to hundreds of young people. The reason I say that is because I believe it. I believe I have come here with a purpose to see young people in Telford encounter the living God. I don't believe the next generation is doomed to hell. I believe that Jesus wants to encounter them and it's going to look so different and I'm excited. So excited. You see, I'm setting my eyes on things above and I want to change the world and I believe you can change the world when you are unreasonably optimistic. And I believe God is calling us to be a church that is unreasonably optimistic in all different ways. our connect groups that we started just a few weeks ago. We need to be more unreasonably optimistic because you know what? They're thriving. I don't know how many we're up to, but the amount of people that are signed up to the choir, to the craft group, and to everything else that is going on, the art group, there is tons of things going on to Leslie's group on a Sunday night. You know what? These places are packed out already. We need to start more connect groups already because actually people are hungry to connect and when people connect, we can lead them to the one who connects us to our Heavenly Father. 
young people. Church, if you just allow me to speak to our young people for a second, is that okay? Young people, I know that you guys probably get bored of my voice sometimes already. But actually, I was really writing this, and God really put something on my heart for you guys. Because you live in a world that none of us fully understand. I'll be honest, many of us don't really fully understand the world that you guys are growing up in. But one thing I do know is this, that something that will kill faith is comparison. Comparison will kill your faith. And I'm not just talking about a social media problem, uh, and I know you guys have that kind of pressure of Instagram and social media and all that comes with that, young people. But actually, it's not just you young people that have to suffer with this as well and have to deal with this. Because we all know we can compare ourselves to everybody around us. For some reason, it snuck into the church that we compare ourselves to each other. And through that, we beat ourselves up. Because we think that person's more holy than I am. And young people, I want to tell you that I'm going to be unreasonably optimistic about your lives. Because I believe you can achieve what you set your heart to achieve. See, comparison will say this to you, young people, that your mustard seed isn't big enough. But don't let comparison steal the dream that you have. You see, I had a mustard seed dream once. I had a mustard seed dream. And it led me to playing in a band for eight years, sharing the gospel around the UK and abroad as well, seeing people encounter the living God everywhere, seeing people healed. That started out as a mustard seed dream in my heart. I didn't believe I could ever pray for anybody and see them healed by, of anything. But it started out as a mustard seed desire in my heart that I wanted to see God move. And I believe that's not just for me. I believe it's for everyone. It's not just for pastors, it's for everybody in the church. Because we all have access to Jesus. 100% access to Jesus. And here's the deal, family. I want to dispel a lie right here, right now. For some reason in the church, we think that when we give our lives to Jesus, he gives us a measure. That we somehow think that Jesus only pours 50% into me, and he pours 100% into Sam, and he pours 75% into Steve. And let me tell you, this is a lie that is so untrue that is across the church. When we give our lives to Jesus, he pours himself all in. Jesus is never half in. He's always all in. We are all invited into his kingdom. We all have 100% access. It's an open door to us when we pursue him. I want to speak to our kids this morning. Because while we're all together, the generations are together. It's great. And they're probably running around and that's okay. Because I'm speaking to you mothers and fathers as well of those kids. You see, over my time, I have done a fair share of kids camps as well. And thank God I don't do kids camps anymore because I'm too old now. <laughs> Tire me out, but no, no. But one of my biggest revelations doing kids work was this. And 
trust me this shook my world as a Christian there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit do you know what kids have 100% access to Jesus that's why I say Jonah's got 100% access they really do and I think sometimes they understand the kingdom better than we do in scripture there is one time when it says Jesus got indignant furious the one time that Jesus got indignant and furious, there's just this one, it's only used once in scripture, this word, in this moment, is when the disciples stopped the kids coming to him. It's when the disciples stopped the little kids coming to Jesus and they were like, hold off, hold back. And you know what? Sometimes we can view our kids as they're too loud, they're an inconvenience, they're in the way of our worship time, but we're a family. And sometimes in family it feels uncomfortable. But we've got to embrace our kids. Because we are called to raise up our kids in the way that they should go. And that's not just the message for our parents here. It's not just a a message for me as a dad. But actually I need all of you guys to help me raise Arabella. To help me raise my unborn child, which should be born anytime soon. Because we are in this together. I love that saying that it takes a village to raise a child because we've lost that in society but we're looking at things above now and this is a village we're in this together are you still with me church? I know I'm going deep this morning but we're doing this okay and just as I wrap up I want to speak about us all together every generation from the oldest to the youngest because trust me I may have a heart for young people but I also know that it takes us all to work together it's not about any one generation it's actually about us all together it's what's just incredible about church is every generation together I don't know how old our oldest person here is I know the youngest is definitely Jonah at the moment (laughs) But let me say this. May we have just a little faith to see people of every generation, every tribe, every tongue come to know Jesus. May we have just a little faith to walk with wisdom together. May we have just a little faith to learn how to mentor our young people and our kids together. May we have just a little faith to be unreasonably optimistic about everything in our lives. And I'm not just talking about church, guys. I'm talking about your workplaces. Let's get out of any pessimistic mindsets. We don't need any more of them in our world. Let's start being unreasonably optimistic about what is happening in our workplaces. Let's start believing that people are going to meet with the living God through us. So my challenge to you this morning, guys, I don't know if we made afternoon yet, we're okay, is this. Do you have just a little faith? Do you have just a little faith? Because that's all it takes. Let me pray. 
Father God, we thank you. Your presence is here. You're working in our hearts and in our lives and in our minds, Father. And Father, we come to you, Father, where sometimes we just feel like all we have is just a little faith. And so, Father, we are thankful that you say that's all we need. All we need is that mustard seed faith to see you move on this earth, in our lives, through this church, through our young people, through our kids, through every generation, God. That, Father, through just a little faith, we would see mountains move. We would see trees uprooted. Things that have been stuck in our lives for so very long, Father, would just be suddenly moved out the way because we put our eyes on the things above and not the things below. And so, Father, we do thank you for everything you are doing in our lives. And, Father, we thank you that you are going to continue to do that this week and for the weeks to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Telford Elim's Sunday podcast. To keep up to date, go to telfordelim.com or find us on social media.